This is Positive Parenting. Parenting expertise and advice from best-selling parenting author and national newspaper columnist, Mr. Dad, Armin Brott. Hello, welcome to Positive Parenting. I'm Armin Brott, the founder of MrDad.com. All parents want our kids to succeed, to do their best, and to be their best. But many have bought into the idea that the path to success is so narrow and admission to a top college so important that they can't afford to let their kids make meaningful choices or manage stressful situations on their own. The result is a generation of kids who feel like imposters, who lack motivation, and who often unravel in their freshman year of college. Since 2005, depression in adolescence has risen 37%, and suicide has become the second leading cause of death among college-age kids. What is going on? Well, in this part of today's show, we're going to be answering that question with a guest who believes that we are raising our kids in a brain-toxic culture where chronic stress and sleep deprivation are taking a terrible toll during the formative years when kids are sculpting the brains that they're supposed to be using for the rest of their lives. The solution is to give kids more control over their lives and not less. Having a healthy sense of control contributes to positive outcomes in virtually all aspects of life and it's key to learning, mental health, and drive. We'll start talking about how to give our kids more control over their lives when Positive Parenting continues right after this. More with Mr. Dad, Armin Brott, after this, from the MrDad.com radio network. Green light. Hey, girl. School zone. I'm getting hungry. Car changing lanes. You want to meet me for pizza? Stop sign. Intersection clear. Yeah, street. Pizza sounds good. Ball in street? Girl in street! <gasps> it's hard to concentrate on two things at once, like texting and driving. Stop the text. Stop the wrecks. How will you stop texting and driving? Tell us at stoptextstoprex.org. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. Okay, forest animals, kids are coming to the forest, and it's up to us to make their visit a good one. Sparrow, have you practiced the most popular bird songs for the year? Of course. Catchy. I like it. River, how's the temperature? It's a refreshing 52 degrees, man. I love it. Uh, Turtle. He's not here yet, man. He's late every morning. Okay. Squirrel. The forest has been preparing just for you. To learn more about cool things to do in the forest, visit discovertheforest.org. Brought to you by the U.S. Forest Service and the Ad Council. Welcome back to Positive Parenting. I'm Armin Brott, and my guest for this part of today's show is Ned Johnson, who's the co-author of The Self-Driven Child, The Science and Sense of Giving Your Kids More Control Over Their Lives. Ned, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. Let's talk about this this idea of control. I think you guys make a very interesting point in the, the beginning of the book, and I made this in the introduction, that... It, it's there's a, a kind of a cost benefit analysis that a lot of parents make, and they say, "Look, it's it's life is so difficult for kids these days, and there's so many pressures on them, and we can't afford to have them making essentially stupid mistakes. So we're going to make all their dis- their, their decisions for them." And the the intention there is good, that we're going to try to make their life easier. But what you're saying is that what happens is we get the exact opposite of that. That by removing their ability to make decisions and presumably fail, that 
they're losing control of their lives completely, which has all sorts of negative impacts that we're going to be talking about for the next half hour. Right, right, right. I mean, everything the parents are doing, we assume, is, is out of love and, and concern and, and, a, and a, a interest looking far down the road for their kids' future happiness and success. But the position that Bill and I take on this is that the most valuable thing that we can do as parents and the most important work that kids, especially teens, can do is to develop healthy brains that are intrinsically motivated and that handle stress well so that when they in, in, invariably face challenges, they're able to handle those well and, and, and not, not succumb uh, to pressure and, and sort of pancake or, or make poor decisions or, or struggle with, with motivation to tackle the things that they face. And the science is pretty clear on this, that the way that people develop both uh, this internal motivation and the ability to handle adversity is to handle adversity. And the model on this is, is actually based on rats, where they, they take these rat pups and they stress them, they, and then they come back to mom or dad, and they get, and they get licked and groomed, which is kind of the rat equivalent of, 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 of hugging, and, and, and they're there, there. And so when we as parents want to, and so those rats, rather, when they, when they, uh, when they experience that repeatedly of, of having a stressor and then coming back uh, and are nurtured, um, not having mom or dad do things for them, but just nurture and say, hey, you know, you've got this. They, they developed, and these research described them as, as California laid-back rats, with these rats that were remarkably <laughs> capable of handling adversity. And then they could see what this looked like down the line. Uh, and the, the rat equivalent of resiliency or of courage is they put them in a big cage and say, do they stay in the corners? Or do they go out in the middle where all the fun stuff is, where the food is, where the wheels are, and all the adventures yeah. are? And so what we want for our kids is that they develop the sense of, you know, hashtag I've got this, right? Of, of they have some kind of mild or moderate challenge, and they're left to do it, you know, on their own, with mom or dad nearby if need be, saying, mm -hmm. hey, you've got this, and if it doesn't go well, you know, I have confidence you're going to make a good decision, and if it doesn't go well, I have confidence that you're going to figure that out too. And I'm here to help you whenever you want me. I'll play consultant. I'll, I'll, I'll cheer you from the sidelines. I'll, I'll keep an eye on you if you want me to. Right. But I won't make decisions for you that you're capable of making for yourself because if I do that, it doesn't make you stronger. It makes you weaker. You know, there's two and things that, that pop into my mind as you're saying yeah. that. One of them is it, it seems in a way like the analogy of vaccines is that Very much you, so. you get that's, that's, a, little, a little dose of trouble so that your system learns how to deal with it. And then you can, but if you never get it, you're going to get the the whole chicken pox or mumps or whatever it is, uh, because your body never really had a chance to deal with it before. But then the, the the other question is, I think there's a lot of talk about animal models and things like that, and it's interesting to talk about rats getting the uh, sure. the, the licking equivalent. But is there such a thing as an animal that that does what we do, which is jump in and do stuff for their pups? Boy, you know, I'm 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 not sure. Uh, I mean, certainly there are there, there are primates and, and there are all sorts of animals that have uh, you know protective instincts of their young. But that's a different issue. What I what I what I what I I think the difference here is what the the phenomenon that you've described is not me or my wife jumping in to save our children in the middle of in the middle of a problem. In many ways, the the bigger challenge is that we are anticipating problems, and we are jumping in in front of them before they even happen. Ah, oh, okay. You, you know what I'm saying? And, and, and so 
I, so I, I really, I mean, I, I don't know a lot. I don't know if there's other literature that's done on other animals. A lot of things they do with rats, of course, because you can do terrible things to rats that are wrong to do to to other animals. Right. Um, but what you know, what we're, what the the brain science shows that. Um, when you experience, as you, as you put it, a, you know, a mild stressor and then you handle it, it's like an inoculation. What it's really doing is training the prefrontal cortex to have a sense of resiliency, a sense of control, and it therefore modulates or controls the amygdala. And so in the presence of a stressor, when you're in the, the freeze, fight, or flight response, and you go, oh, my goodness, the, you know, and the amygdala fires, the prefrontal cortex that's had the, that, that has handled well a past stressor comes in and says, no, it's okay, it's okay, it's okay, we've got this, and here's why. And that's what we want is that incrementally we, we have a little stresses, little stressors, little stressors, and we develop the ability to handle big stress. As much as I would like to be able to protect my kids from everything and, and put a cape around them, there's also the possibility that I'm coming home from a talk at a school, and on the way home I get run over by a cement truck, and no more daddy, I'm done, I'm over, right? And what I would dearly hope is that my kids, though they'd be sad for a while, would relatively short, quickly you know, pick themselves and dust themselves off and say, okay, well, well I'm, I, I can handle this. It, it seems like there's, there's, to slice it a little bit thinner, that there's something even more subtle going on there that besides not giving them the, the skills or not letting them develop the skills to deal with adversity is that there's something deeper, which is that they're, they're getting a lesson that we, of course, aren't specifically telling them, and we would deny that they ever, you know, that we ever said this, but th- th- we're telling them in a way that they can't do it. And there's going to be this su- second-guessing and poor self-esteem, if you want to call it that, but you know what I'm saying? That, that they're, they're going to end up sin- sincerely believing that they can't do things because they haven't had a chance to try to do it and mess well, I think up. I think it's a, I think it's an excellent point. I mean, I've I've certainly had parents say things to me like, you know, we trust him to make his own decisions, but it, but when we came to this, it was too important to let him do that. And to your point, the the, the unintended message can be there. Is it seems like you know your your parents have let you be in charge of your life, but when things become really important, don't trust your judgment. We know better than you do. You know, as you go forward in life, don't you know? You you really shouldn't have confidence that you're the best expert on your life that, that someone other than you is. Exactly. I'm I'm curious about this. Um, I've done a lot of looking at research and some research on my own, looking at the differences between fathers and mothers, and particularly with younger kids. And one of the things that the researchers have found is that dads tend to let kids who have fallen down stay there for a little bit longer than moms do before jumping in to pick them up. And and the sense is that they're give that the dads are telling the kids that they can do this that they're giving them that that positive sense and i'm wondering if you noticed in the research that you looked at whether there are any differences between the uh, the way that mothers and fathers do this or or is is one parent more likely to jump in and and help or take over than the other well there 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 are two parts to that one is that there are some changes in the brains of women when they have children, that there's an upturn in what we describe as hyper, what scientists scientists describe as hypervigilance, and if you think about, you know, with with obviously with exceptions, but on average, it's moms who are responsible for these wee little things, who as soon as they become able of, of locomotion, explore the world by finding everything they can and sticking it into their mouth. 
Exactly. Right? And so you, you, you kind of want mom to be paying attention all the while, you know, to keep this thing safe, right? And it's amazing how many adults you see that have 10 digits and two eyes and, and aren't disfigured because moms have done a really good job of this. And, but, but as you, you know, and I've read in you know, some of your blogs is that is, 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 is we go from being, a, you know, a, a baby to a toddler and then a toddler to a child and then a child to a teen. What we need to do is, is, is go from 100%, you know, paternal control, you know, to, to 90%, to 80%, you know, to, and, and, and give um, kids more and more, more and more autonomy there. And so, so certainly I think there's some wiring in moms because, you know, they, they've had, they've the ones who have given birth, and there's some, some obviously chemical and brain changes. Talking with Ned Johnson, who's the co-author of The Self-Driven Child, The Science and Sense of Giving Your Kids More Control Over Their Lives. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we'll keep talking to Ned and want to keep uh, exploring this issue of moms and dads. This heavyweight bout is about to begin. The challenger wears white trunks with a blue stripe, and the champ is wearing, uh, looks like an examination gown from the doctor's office. And from the back, we can... Ooh, that's not pretty. Champ, what's with the crazy getup? I've got to take care of my family. Yeah, so? Well, when you love your family, you got to go in and get those important medical screenings. A lot of potentially deadly diseases can be treated if you catch them in time. So you wear the examination gown because... Because I'm a real man. Real men take care of their families and get those tests. Real men wear gowns. Okay, champ, good luck. Here we go. <laughs> the champ's not wasting any time. <laughs> oh. It's over. This fight is over. Champ, you barely broke a sweat. Any words for your fans out there? Remember, go to ahrq.gov for a list of the tests they need to get and when to get them. What was that web address again? ahrq.gov. And remember, real men wear gowns. Go to ahrq.gov. This message brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, AHRQ, and the Ad Council. Hands can do incredible things. This is the sound of 326 hands playing Mozart. This is the sound of 10,942 hands showing appreciation. 64 hands building a house for the homeless. 142 hands swimming a triathlon. 18 hands winning the big game. And this is the sound of two hands helping to save a life. It's called Hands Only CPR. And it's recommended by the American Heart Association. If an adult suddenly collapses, call 911, then push hard and fast in the center of their chest until help arrives. It's incredibly easy and effective. Hands can do incredible things, but nothing compares to using them to help save a life. Find out more about this latest method of CPR at handsonlycpr.org. A message from the American Heart Association and the Ad Council. Welcome back to Positive Parenting. If you're just joining us, I'm talking with Ned Johnson, who's the co-author of The Self-Driven Child, The Science and Sense of Giving Your Kids More Control Over Their Lives. Just before the break, you were talking about the differences between moms and dads, and before you were telling me about a type of scale that's used to assess that. It's something called the Yerkes-Dodson Law, and it's, it's, it's a bell curve. You can picture an upside-down U. And you have performance on the y-axis up and down, low to high, and then stress across the bottom. And, you know, as you get more stress, you get more focused in. And so not enough stress, you don't pay attention. Some in the middle, you know, optimal excitement or, or your perfect amount of stress. And then too much to the right, things fall apart. And on average, women are a little bit more to the left, where they need a little bit less stress 
to, to you know to motivate to, to pay attention um, and and they a little become too much they get overwhelmed with a little bit a little bit more easily and men on on the average uh, go the other way where where they they oftentimes sit around and they need more stress to pay attention um, and so it's very it's very typical that it, the same stressor two different people will experience it differently one person will think oh my goodness and the other person it's not such a big deal and and so so you can have a very typical dynamic where um, you know a kid is facing a challenge and the dad says it's fine let him let him do it and mom's thinking has a very different movie of how this of how this is going to play out playing in her head hmm. fascinating so the bottom line of it is though that we're stepping in too much and not letting the kids do their own thing. So, so I want to talk about some of the research on the other side. I think that's equally fascinating about how having more control helps you in, in a variety of ways. And I, I mean, I've, I've looked at some of the stuff, a lot of the research in here I've never seen before, but some, some things I just finished working on a book on, on the workplace. And there's a lot of research in, in workplaces about having more control over your work environment, even where it is, what you do, what sort of furniture you have, what's on the walls, uh, that that can make you a higher performing type of employee. But you're talking about similar kinds of things that can make you a higher performing individual, whether you're an employee or not, a student. Right. I mean, from a from a motivational perspective, you know, feeling a sense of control, feeling a sense of autonomy is really important for motivation. It, it gives you more dopamine, right? It, it gives you, it creates more motivation. And then on the flip side, if you are really stressed in a bad situation and you feel there's nothing I can do here, that's about as perfect a recipe for feeling overwhelmed as you, as you can imagine, where in a bad situation, if you feel like there's something that I can do here, you get, it, it goes so much better. I mean, I have an identical twin brother who's a paramedic, and so he deals with just I mean, gunshot wounds and heart attacks and just terrible, terrible, terrible stuff. And most people would sit there just mouths the gate, having no idea what to do with this, but because of his training and because of experience, he knows, here's what I'm going to do. Now, does he save every life? Do, do, or do, are there bad things? Of course, he doesn't save every life, and there are bad outcomes. But for him and in his ability to keep his cool and do something productive, he feels a sense of control in that situation. And so in, in our work, we're trying to do everything we can to have kids feel as much control as possible. Now, the challenge, of course, is that you know, mom or dad with a much more fully developed brain and a lot more experience can picture how this is going to go. And have all, we have all kinds of ideas of, of how um, that we want to share with our kids. And, and my feeling on this and my experience with my, my son, who's now a sophomore in high school, is I'll simply ask, hey, would you like my advice on that? Or can I, can I give you a suggestion? Or, or would you like some help? And if he says, yeah, then, I, then he's got by and he's in control and he can turn that on or turn that off. If he says, no, no, I got it, well, why on God's green earth would I then try to give someone help that they don't want? Because all he's going to do is bat it away. And so a lot of times I go, hmm. And I go, okay, great. Well, let me know if you, if, if you want help. And, and if, if, if his assessment was wrong, almost invariably he'll circle around 20 minutes later, 40 minutes later, and say, actually, Dad, could you help me with that? And it's just, it's, it's respectful. I mean, you know, in, in a workplace, we don't force help on colleagues who don't want it. That's not going to go very well. Right, right. But I think that, that part of it, especially from the dad perspective, part of how we establish 
feeling loved is by doing things for people. And, you know, that, that's the way that we're expressing how we love them because we're going to help you do this. And, you know, it obviously doesn't play out well all the time. But there, yeah, you know, no, again, that, the, the intention every, is good. I mean, everything that, that, a, that, a, that a dad is doing is because he's paying attention and he wants the best outcome for his right, daughter. Right. And, and all that, and my take on this, when I, when I, and I'll talk with parents and they'll be saying, you know, I'm really frustrated and so on and so forth. And I said, may I offer you some advice? And they'll say, sure. And I say, if you're trying to help your kid, you just say, may I offer you some advice? <laughs> Right, <laughs> and yeah. then all of a sudden they they have a control, and whether it's even just a smidgen, it, you know, it, it, because they feel in control, it quiets their amygdala, and mm-hmm. they don't immediately get defensive. They're in control, so we got that that prefrontal cortex, and they're and therefore we're engaging the rational part of the brains, and they're so much more likely to hear the wisdom that we have to share right. because it's been their choice about hearing it. Now, in the book, you talk about how you can help your kids establish a sense of control by, as a parent, establishing your own sense of control. Explain that, please. Well, some, one of the pieces we have in there is about being a non-anxious presence, that, that stress is contagious. And if you think about it, if, you know, when you have a toddler or a baby, if you're trying to calm that child who's crying and screaming, if you yourself are stressed out, you're not going to be effective doing that. And so the more in control, the more calm that you are, the more able you are to help your kid. And I think there's a line in there where I say, if you're feeling impatient with your kid, then there's a darn good chance that your kid can also feel that you're impatient or frustrated with him. And the problem is that then the amygdala, which is simply a threat detector, feels that, but oftentimes doesn't realize that it's just that dad's frustrated. Your child may feel that as dad's mad at me. Well, that's not mad at you. Dad's frustrated that you've got too much homework and it's 10 o'clock at night and this is going poorly and da-da-da-da-da. But you can jump to the other conclusion that, that, that somehow dad's mad at me. If you can be much more calm in that situation, you'll be super helpful. My, my son is you know, a typical boy. He's lovely, but sometimes he doesn't plan as well, and he's up a little bit late. And, and I really try to push an early bedtime, and I, was, I go to bed darn early because it makes me be less anxious. And so it's 10:15 at night, and I'm going to bed at 10 o'clock, and he comes up, and it's 10:30, and he knocks on the door, and he said, "Dad, can you help me?" And the first thing in my head is like, "Are you kidding me? I'm trying to go to bed." And I said, well, "Sure, what's going on?" Well, and he's got a bit of a mess, and I come downstairs, and he's working on his computer, and I basically just sat there. How can I help? Well, let, let me talk you through this. And I more or less sat there trying to do everything I could to keep my energy as low as possible. And I said, "Okay, well, let me know." And I'm here. And in many ways, I was nothing more than like a, you know, Linus's blanket mm. that, that he was feeling really stressed out and by my being low energy and stressed. And I'm here to help if you want me. And it turns out he didn't need my help at all, apart from yeah. he was really stressed out. And by helping to be 10% less stressed, his brain worked better. Yeah, Ned, we only have just about two minutes left, but I want you to talk yeah. quickly about some of the other things that are important in helping the kids reduce the stress and anxiety and, and things like get, helping them get you know, sleep better. Sure. Sure. I mean, there, there are a bunch of things. I mean, the one important thing to think about stress is that it's cumulative, right? When kids are overwhelmed by stress and you ask them to point it out, they, they almost feel silly because there's rarely is there one thing that's overwhelming. It's a little bit here and a little bit there. And so, among other things, being really well-rested helps a ton because when you're sleep-deprived, your amygdala is 60% more reactive, and then 
that, that hashtag I've got it problem solving part of your brain is kind of nowhere to be seen. So if there if there's any magic wand that we could wave, it would be the primary input for any for, for every kid and for every person really is to be well rested. There's also endless literature about about social media and and all these things that that add to a cognitive load. That the more you're having to think about all sorts of things, you know, besides just what you're trying to attend to, it's really stressful to try to pay attention, you know, to 15 different directions. Is there a website where people can get more information from on this? Oh yeah, sure. The, our website is theselfdrivenchild.com. TheSelfDrivenChild.com. What else, what's going on there? Oh, it's a little bit about the, the book. Uh, it launches at the beginning of February, uh, how to reach us, um, you know, advice we have to offer. We're, uh, we're still building it out mostly. For now, it's, uh, it's, it's how to get in touch with us and how to, and how to lay your hands on the book. Okay. Ned Johnson's the co-author of The Self-Driven Child, just like the website, The Science and Sense of Giving Your Kids More Control Over Their Lives. Ned, thanks so much for joining us. Very interesting. Careful at the party, hon. Remember what we talked about? I know, Mom. No alcohol, right? Yeah, I know. Honey, seriously, I know you're in high school now, but you're still too young to drink. And you're still my daughter. I don't want anything happening to you. I know. I know. Really? Drinking is different with kids. You're still growing. You're still developing. It messes with your judgment. I know. Teenagers know everything. So talk about underage drinking before they know it all. Before they're teens. And you could do things that, honey, trust me, if you drink, you could do things you don't really want to do, that I don't want you to do. Yeah, Mom, I know. Listen, I'm just trying to protect you, all right? If you're a grown woman, it's different, but you're not. I know, okay? I know. Start talking before they start drinking, and keep talking. To learn more about the dangers of underage drinking and what to say to your kids, go to StopAlcoholAbuse.gov. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services and the Ad Council. Welcome back to Positive Parenting. I'm Armin Brunt, and it's time for a Parents at Play segment. And what better way to start off a new year or just hang out with friends and family than by learning about art, science, and building? Let's start with the Just Add Milk Science and Art Kit from Gridley Games. While it's definitely possible to do some of the experiments in this kit by adding nothing more than milk, If you want to do them all, you'll need a few other items from your cupboard, including glue, a bottle of cola, white vinegar, and baking soda. Once you've got all your ingredients together, you're ready to start learning about the science of art, or is it the art of science? You'll experiment with natural reactions, such as what happens when you drop food coloring into milk and then add a drop of soap. And you'll watch how colors explode, and you'll create tie-dye type designs that you can turn into mouse pads and other real works of art. Cost under $16 is for ages 5 and up. Adult supervision is recommended. More information at gridleygames.com. Forensic science from Little Passports. Thanks to those CSI TV shows, just about everyone knows, or thinks they do, about forensic science. But there's a lot more to it than solving murders and catching bad guys, which real CSI tooks don't do anyway. Using the ingredients in this kit, plus a few additional items from home, you and your young CSI sleuths will learn about fingerprints, handwriting analysis, and spatter science. That's looking at drops of liquid to determine how high they were dropped from and whether and how fast the person who dropped them was moving. But best of all, you'll actually be able to extract DNA, which you can see and touch, 
from a vegetable or piece of fruit. It's fascinating, engaging, and wonderfully educational. Prices vary. It's for about ages 9 and up at littlepassports.com. Strawbees Inventor Kit from Strawbees. Strawbees are special connectors that let you connect straws and cardboard to build anything you can think of, from a pixie to a robot. But in our view, what makes Strawbees so unique is that they've created engaging, challenging projects for a variety of age groups, from kindergarten through teens. The company is also focused on the education market and has lesson plans and activities designed to teach a variety of STEAM topics, using strawberries, of course, in the classroom. The Inventor Kit is their mid-range product. There are smaller and larger kits available. All include strawbees connectors, straws, and instructions for how to build a dazzling array of structures. Prices start from $30 and go up all the way to $100. For ages 5 and up, strawbees.com. Space Racers from Lawrence King. Space racers contain everything you need to press out and make sturdy paper models of 10 rockets. In addition to the instructions, there's a separate fact-filled booklet by Isabel Thomas that explores rocket science and space exploration. If you're fascinated by space, rocket ships, and the science that makes it all possible, you'll love this kit. Costs under 19 bucks. It's for ages 7 and up. More information at lawrenceking.com US. You can get a lot of information about toys, games, and other activities to do with your family at our website, parentsatplay.com. Thanks for listening to Positive Parenting. You can get more information on today's show and what we're working on in the weeks ahead at MrDad.com. While you're there, visit the MrDad.com gift shop with everything you need to help you become the dad or mom you want to be. Positive Parenting is a production of the MrDad.com radio network. Now, go be a great parent.